0: Greetings, welcome to Season 1, Episode 23 of the Legacy Drawing Board, the podcast journey and experience that wants you to build a stronger, more meaningful legacy by embracing good design principles. I'm your host, Ron Fong. For those of you who are relatively new listeners, when I refer to good design principles, I refer to the ones that uh, Dieter Rams laid out. Uh, Dieter Rams is a very influential industrial designer from Germany. If you're not familiar with his works by name, you probably are familiar with his works if you've ever seen a Braun product. In it, where uh, his 10 principles of good design, I talked about in my previous episodes, episodes 2, 3, 5, 8, and 9. And I use that as a reference point to how we can go forward in terms of legacy building. Let's focus on you now, you the audience. Before I was trying to imagine or envision what your needs were or what your perspectives were regarding legacy building and I realized that was pretty much an exercise in fertility. Uh, I don't want to operate in an echo chamber or in a deprivation tank. It was really relatively straightforward. It's uh, simple. I decided to ask people what their thoughts were in terms of what their definition of legacy is, how they're building their legacy, and what barriers do they think their generation has in terms of legacy building. By hearing voices, the different voices, it provided me a reference point uh, with regards to seeing a different direction and being able to travel in that different direction, that I could not otherwise, when I was trying to do it on my own. For this episode, uh, Kendra and Ray were kind enough to share their thoughts regarding legacy and legacy building. And now let's hear what they have to say.
1: My name is Kendra Cunningham, manager of oncology. I'm a millennial and legacy to me, is something that you are building every day, whether you know it or not. It's what we will leave behind when we're no longer there. And if that's the case, then I realized that no matter where you go, you have an opportunity to leave a legacy. You don't actually have to die to do that. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would love generations to focus on is that you're worthy of leaving a legacy and that maybe you have to look inward first to find the value in yourself to realize that there is a legacy that can be left no matter what you do.
2: Hey, my name is Ray. I'm 36 years old and I am a millennial. When I think of legacy, I think of the impact someone makes on another. That impact can be on the next generation, on your kids. That impact can be on your contemporaries, who you work with, or maybe the next team, the next iteration of of the group that you're a part of. That's what legacy is to me. I'm building my legacy out by living... Out, my values. You know, I'm a man of faith. I have convictions on faith, on values of character, and passing that on is what I'm trying to do as far as building my legacy, growing uh, in my walk, allowing others to be impacted in whatever way. Um. As we interact, as uh, as we learn from one another, that's how I'm building my legacy. I would say the greatest need for my generation in legacy building is first of all recognizing what someone is trying to even build. Think uh, this is. Uh, day and age of um, distractions and it's more important than ever for everyone to be able to step back and recognize and and learn to develop one's own value set because if we don't do that we're just going to go through our life facing all the urgent things that are presented to us every day. But we might fail to spend the the amount of time that even we would want in terms of developing our our own value set, our, our own legacy. And so I think that is the greatest need for people to remember that we are building a legacy and you can choose to build it a certain way But we need to take time to step back and recognize it. Think about what it is we're trying to do in this life and how we want to impact others. And taking that step back will will probably change the way we move, the way we work, the way we play, the way we interact with others. And it would would very much change our own legacies.
0: Kendra talked about knowing your value and your worth. I think that's extremely important for all of us, not only to recognize that we have value, but others have value. And as you're building your legacy, perhaps you can also help others build their legacy. Imagine starting a day or conversation instead of, how's your day going? By asking others, how's your legacy or how's your legacy building going? Kendra talked about looking inward in terms of being free of distractions And I think Ray also uh, picked up on that, or he had a similar thought process. Ray talked about having impact, having meaning, being able to touch lives in a positive manner. Ray talked about the recognition for distillation, not installation. He talked about avoiding distractions and being able to focus on what you really want to do in terms of building your legacy and being able to have a directed impact on people. This developing awareness is in line with Dieter Rams' uh, principle number 10, and that good design is as little design as possible. What good design does, it separates the essential from the non-essential. Many times we get caught up, as Ray talked about, in terms of our daily lives, and we're busy doing, which is important because we have to tend to our families, we have to go to work. We have a host of responsibilities, but when you do that without thinking about how this is uh, coming together, how is this conveying the message that you want to convey, then you may get distracted. It may get distorted, and you may wind up delivering a message that you really didn't intend to. Here is that we have two individuals who talk about getting that focus, developing that sense of awareness, and acknowledging worthiness, worthiness in ourselves, worthiness in each other, and because you do have worth as an individual, then your legacy also has worth because your legacy is the message of you. Again, thank uh, Kendra and Ray for sharing their thoughts, and I'll continue the segment that I call uh, Voices and Vignettes. Today's episode talks about developing your sense of humor for your legacy building sense of humor is a sense. And what are our senses? Their senses is are used for a process of gathering information about the world through the detection of stimuli. It means we interact with our world. In the business world, we often hear about soft skills or emotional intelligence, skill sets that are important in terms of connecting with people, not so much about knowledge, expertise, But how do you get along and how can you engage others in a meaningful manner that you could actually make people better or help them get better? My wife has often said that all funny people are intelligent, but not all intelligent people are funny. And this speaks to humor, what its value lies in. Its value is that it opens doors, it makes a quick connection. It lets people know that this is a safe space, that you want to share things with them. And that could work towards building uh, deeper, more meaningful relationships and conversations. Intelligence, on the other hand, if you use it just for itself, in itself, acquisition of knowledge and so forth, it may be very beneficial in terms of personal development or individualized development, but it could stay isolated. It could be siloed. If you don't have the intent of uh, gathering information, being more well-rounded, as building a bridge to others, then you may not see the need or appreciate uh, the value in terms of developing a sense of humor. Think about when you've gone to a party or any gathering. People will naturally gravitate towards the individual who can play the piano, do magic tricks, or tell humor stories, the life of the party. When I speak about developing your sense of humor, it's not necessarily for you to develop 10 tight minutes so you could be a stand-up comic. Although if that's what you want, that's great, and I would love to hear your 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 format, your your stand-up. What I'm talking about more is that day-to-day rhythm that I that I come that I associate with comic strips, the daily pacing. How you interact with your family, your friends, the people at work, is in a natural cadence. And it's not meant to be life of the party necessarily, but it's meant to have your voice, have your message and delivered in a lighthearted manner to begin with. But there's also that grain of truth in it. There's some wisdom into that. That makes people pause that it's not just you telling a joke, but that you're having insight into a life condition and that you want to share it with others because you want to connect with people, you care about people, you want people to be in a better place. That's what I think is the value in terms of the sense of humor. Going back to legacy, we all have a voice and as Kendra said, we all have value. We all have something to say and we should, we should listen to each other and we want it's human nature, a basic need that we want to use our voices to engage, to connect, to be part of something bigger and to contribute. Going back to the, the, the comic show, I talked about comic strips as a means of humor in terms of the daily pacing. I remember as a child, uh, comic strips took on a you know, different format and maybe a different place in terms of your daily lives back when printed uh, media was still uh, much more the dominant form, of perhaps, of news, especially with the comic strips. You have a specific section for it. And within four panels, three or four panels, you have great creators being able to convey life's truths in a very humorous manner. But you grew with the characters. It was ongoing. There are times when you would have a great uh, guffaw from it, But more or less, they reflected daily life, and they became part of your world, part of your cadence. That was, I thought, the beauty of it. Uh, Two of my favorite strips were uh, Peanuts by Charles Schultz and Calvin and Hobbes by Bill Watterson. And these are two that I thought were very philosophical in their approach to life. They talk about a great deal of things, the meaning of life, uh, friendships, disappointments, and so forth. And when you talk about relationships. Think about these two particular comic strips. Both uh, Schultz and Watterson anthropomorphize animals and have mainstays of the characters, or uh, very important uh, characters in the comic strip. You had Snoopy. You knew what he was thinking, how he acted a certain way, and Snoopy was the Walter Mitty of uh, comic strips. He was a soldier, a tennis player, a hockey player, a World War I flying ace, an attorney, a surgeon, you name it. Snoopy was it. And obviously with Calvin and Hobbes, with Hobbes upon the animation of a stuffed tiger by Calvin's imagination, you had a relationship. Charlie Brown had a relationship with Snoopy. Uh, Snoopy had a relationship with Woodstock. Uh, Snoopy had a really uh, rough and tumble relationship with Lucy and Calvin and Hobbes was so relationship driven. That's why it spoke to us. It connected with us and we could see the humor in the day-to-day life. And that's the, you know, think about the, the legacy of Charles Schultz and Bill Watterson, what they brought with their lives, their insights, their reflections and how they were able to capture that in three to four panels per day and then gave you something a little extra on Sundays with a much bigger layout, and it was in color. Humor, very powerful, that got across a clear message and helped us be drawn closer to, if not the characters, then perhaps the creator. And that's why I think about in terms of humor, not necessarily the uh, stand-up comic where you leave people uh, rolling on the floors, uh, knee slappers, whatnot. But the day-to-day interactions, just like a comic strip, where people will come to expect certain cadences uh, from you, and you're going to deliver. You're going to deliver because you wanted this to be part of your legacy. You wanted to be able to greet people in a meaningful manner that reflected life in a slightly different take. And you saw things in perhaps in a different light, and that's what makes makes it made it humorous. You saw things that. Other people could not, or you brought your own perspective to it. A quote from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter good humor. It draws people, just like I said before, with a party. When people laugh, they want to know what's going on to come, and people say, what's so funny? You know, let me in on the joke. And it does bind us. And think about that if that's your legacy. Not necessarily being the life of the party or smart aleck, but you were a person, when you came into the room, people's moods lighten up. They were starting to smile and they expected or they knew you're going to say something or say something in a manner that was going to be engaging, that was going to be edifying. And yet it's going to have your own particular twist on it. And that you, people, you leave people smiling, uh, if not laughing. Quote from Mark Twain. Laughter without a twinge of philosophy is but a sneeze of humor. Genuine human humor is replete with wisdom. Your legacy, your messaging, what Ray said about impact, avoiding distractions. You want to convey something positive. And wisdom is one of the greatest virtues that we can have. Ray talked about leaving something for uh, current generations, future generations. And what great gift can you leave people than wisdom wrapped up in humor? Another Mark Twain quote. The source of all humor is not laughter, but sorrow. Think about the sad clown paradox. The sad clown paradox talks about how so many comedians, comics, um, funny actors, whatnot, have a history of sadness, depression. And there's a theory that the sad clown paradox comes about because these are individuals who have very, very challenging childhoods, or maybe even adulthoods, and they learn to deal with the stress of uncertainty or being alone, abandoned, with humor. That was their, not necessarily bridge, but that was their lifeline. I think about Robin Williams, uh, immensely talented individual, and Sadly, he committed suicide, and I think Robin Williams was, you know, his mental health conditions, and it was a tragedy. Here's the application about developing your sense of humor for your legacy design and your legacy building. Develop your sense of humor as you have your other senses. Think about people who, or if you are, uh, learning how to play a musical instrument musical instrument, and people talk about developing your ear for music. Think about you're starting to learn how to cook uh, at a higher level and developing taste, your taste for, for, for combining flavors and whatnot to make a, a, a truly uh, outstanding dish. You're developing these senses, again, because you're trying to gather information about the world through stimuli, and you're trying to make sense of it, and you're trying to get a message out. You want to play an instrument in such a way to convey something to someone. You want to serve a meal in such a way that it conveys something to people. And usually these are invitations uh, for people to, to welcome them into your world and to make, hopefully, add, brings up brightness to their world. It, developing a sense of humor will open doors and it'll give you an appreciation of beauty. One of the things I think about is that when you develop sense of humor, it's what's to converse when you lose a sense? I remember the first time I played indoor tennis and my senses were just thrown off. One is that it's enclosed so you don't have a sky in terms of depth perception. Uh, and the background slightly different. Because there's no wind resistance, the ball comes off the racket faster. And I won't say much faster, but it's faster and it throws you off a little and when, for me, I didn't really ever think about that, but it was the sound of tennis, the sound of a serve when it hits the strings or when someone hits a forehand or backhand. And that helped me because that stimuli, I was processing it and utilizing it. And now in an indoor court, it sounds completely different. And my senses were thrown off. It really took me a while to get used to playing indoor tennis because of how my senses were almost uh, now had a, a regression of development the appreciation of beauty. This is important, important for anyone's legacy, important for us as individuals. And let me tie it back to Dieter Rahm's and his uh, 10 principles of good design. Uh, Number three of the principles that good design is aesthetic. And this relates to products. What I wanna do is take the, instead of the product, uh, reconfigure it for your legacy. In principle number three, Dieter Rams talks about the aesthetic quality of a product is integral to its usefulness, because products we use every day affect our person, our well-being. But only well-executed objects can be beautiful. Beauty's not by accident; it's not haphazard. And he talked about the use of products every day. Let's uh, substitute, say, a product, your life or your legacy. You're gonna across people on a daily basis. The cadence, the rhythm that you have, and the intentionality that you have, it's not going to be haphazard. You want to promote beauty. You want to promote aesthetics. Just like the comic strip, it's the daily things that time and time again takes on so much effort to to build and sustain beauty and aesthetics. Sense of humor, laughter, it is Aesthetics to the ear, it's aesthetics to the heart. And that would be a wonderful legacy to build. Coming now to the why. Why develop a sense of humor? Why work on it? And again, it's not working on it so you can make a living at it necessarily, but we can all improve our well being. We can improve our relationships when we. Not necessarily prioritize our sense of humor, but give it give it a place in our lives. The why? Because others need laughter, especially in the post-pandemic era, as we try to get back to normal, whether we can ever get back to normal or new normal. And the legacy is something that you build, but it's not something you're gonna keep. It's something that you're gonna to impart to others. And picture, imagine, envision you imparting the gift of laughter. Conversely, once you develop your sense of humor, then you can appreciate other people's sense of humor. And you may be able to start detecting when people are using humor as the sad clown paradox, that that's their lifeline. They're not building bridges, necessarily opening the doors. They're throwing out humor and saying, please connect with me. Please see through this that I am hurting. And once you could see that, you know, we often think about certain people as being the life of the party or everything is, uh, this person's always laughing. And we notice that there's a big dip when they don't laugh. And can we develop our sense of humor in terms of being able to appreciate humor and its spectrum, but also see when people are in pain and that they they don't know how else to communicate, and they're desperate for that. And for us, for, again, our legacy, think about it, our messaging, is that our messaging is that, going back to Kendra, you you have value. Everyone has value. I see your value, and I see you hurting, and I can kind of uh, walk through this or filter through it or see through it, perhaps, that you're using a humor as a lifeline, and I'm, I caught that lifeline. I got it, and I'm going to not let go. I'm going to stay with you. And yes, we can share laughter together. There'll be laughter that we share as a bridge and not necessarily as a lifeline. That is the big why. Uh, the, uh, listeners, whether new or ongoing, uh, thank you for your time because I know when you give your time, that's a great gift and I'm very appreciative of it. If you want to contact me to um, to do the voices and vignettes and share your thoughts of legacy, legacy building, and what your challenges are for your generation, contact me. My email address is rfong at truenorthshepherding.com. If you're interested in exploring how to build your legacy through design, I invite you to visit my website, which is truenorthshepherding.com, and sign up for a complimentary session on how to begin your journey towards intentional actions. What's for the next episode? The next episode, I'm going to talk about culture. Culture at home, culture at work. What is your legacy building culture? And to quote uh, business leader, Peter Drucker, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And now until next time, please give your legacy the time and attention it deserves. Because when you do, we all benefit. And don't forget to share laughter. Thank you.